Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 98 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I'm happy to report that after some great journalism done by the staff and great writers here at this site, we have found out that Maryland does play other sports and does play them decently, at least some of them. Thomas, uh, it's took some hard work, some great in-depth journalistic reporting, but we have found out that Maryland plays sports other than basketball, and some of them they're actually good at. Yes, we are recording this right before field hockey plays a Final Four game. Yeah, which is, and guess who they beat fun. to get there? Uh, a little school down in Durham. On, yes. on that school's home field. One that uh, Scott Van Pelt said on his show recently when he was picking them in winners, he said, let's go Duke. I thought he was going to like take a thing of bleach from underneath his desk and swallow it there, but uh, that didn't happen, interestingly enough. I thought it was going to, but it, it didn't. That would have been a great bit. Well, you know, who, who, who could do bits better than this podcast? Nobody. Lamar is also here, and uh, aside from field hockey maryland does play other sports too although apparently we have been told not very well uh yeah we've heard of some other sports that they play um but apparently only field hockey and basketball matter so (laughs) yes remember if maryland plays sports badly they don't exist it's better off that they don't exist we just don't want to have to think about them uh in all seriousness that's a bit from the old podcast last week if you didn't listen to that the basketball preview stuff still holds up but we'll talk about all of the sports basically on this show. This will be a more all-encompassing podcast since we're going to leave your ears a bit dry during Thanksgiving, and then we'll come back afterwards with more shows. Uh, we'll start with men's basketball. I have to first ask you both because I'm wondering if this is making me a bad podcast host. If I didn't watch any of the first three games, and my only association with them is Jared Goldstein gifts and listening to the last four minutes of the Butler game on radio. Does that make me a bad podcast host? Not a bad host, but it does make you unprepared. Uh, I'm not unprepared. I know exact, not exactly what happened, but I know what happened, kind of. Uh, again, BTN Plus, man. I don't have the money. I'm unemployed. Y'all are at campus, so you can watch BTN Plus games more consistently than I can. And uh, the one time that there was a game on television, I was otherwise occupied. What can you do? But uh, let's talk about those three games because they're very different, and there's a lot to be happy about, Thomas. This is rare because Maryland men's basketball, we always find something to be disappointed with. But after these first three games, I don't think anybody is at all really that mad with anything that we've seen. It's amazing. If you want to be picky, it's uh, Justin Jackson isn't scoring that much. 
but like he hasn't needed to at all because Anthony Cowan made the leap. Uh, Dion Wiley made like seven leaps. Where in leaps. the hell did that come from? Um, it came from. I mean, he's a he's always been a pretty good player, but he's been injured for like seven years in a row. So he hasn't even been at Maryland the seven years. Uh yeah. I mean, but but <laughs> we, I mean, like we knew has. that was we we kind of knew that was there, but I feel like a lot of people forgot that Dion Wiley was as as talented as he is. Um, so, yeah, I think the three stories really are all are all good stories, which is. Cowan made the leap. Dion Wiley is as good as he's ever looked at Maryland. And the two freshmen, uh, I feel like we almost didn't talk about them enough. I mean, because they're, they've been real impressive real quick. I, they're only going to get better. It's been fun. I, I was listening to the game on radio, and Johnny, Chris, and Walt were saying, it should be illegal for Maryland to have two freshmen to bring off the bench like this. And then I was like, well, pump the brakes. I just watched Duke without their best player beat Michigan State. So pump the brakes. Maryland's got good players, but it's not like they're suddenly winning the national championship. Although it is Maryland radio, so they're going to win the national championship every year there. But, Lamar, I'll give you the pick. Who do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Anthony Cowan, Deion Wiley, or the freshman? Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about Deion for a second because I've, like, I've, like, seen him a little bit longer, I guess. Like, uh, my high school, I got to cover the 4A, 3A, 2A, PG County, like, championships a couple years, like, my senior year, and, like, he destroyed Roosevelt. Um, so it's been, like, seeing him then and now seeing him finally, like, start to tap into that potential where he was a top 50 recruit out of high school. Uh and it just looks confident in himself again. It's been really good to see. Um, he came out in the starting lineup on Wednesday and looked like he belonged. Coach Turgeon said it as well after the game. Um, he he looks like he belongs uh, in that with the starters, and he's playing like he he wants to hold on to that uh, starting job and. Turgeon said, like, he put the onus on him, like, you got to defend. And he has been defending as well as not just, like, hitting shots. There was one play where it looked like he was beaten. It was, like, the way they were going to have to stop it was going to end up being a foul on Justin Jackson. Instead, Wiley plays the ball perfectly and, like, swipes it as soon as the the shooter brought it down to his hip. And it's just, like, uh, now Butler has to reset. And that's, like, an out-of-bounds play instead of two shots at the line. So Wiley's been really impressive early on and, like, as long as he just maintains his confidence in himself and just like keeps shooting, keeps defending, like he's going to be a big part of this team. Thomas, how does it change the look of this team if Dion Wiley is actually good? And I don't say that sarcastically. I say that because Dion Wiley was always somebody that Maryland not really counted on, but was somebody who we thought, well, what is Maryland like if he plays well and he lives up to his potential? And we've never seen it, but now we have. So what does that make this team look like? if he is actually good and can be a consistent player performing, not, I guess, the way he performed against Butler, but like that most of the time? I think probably most importantly, it makes these small ball lineups that much more of a weapon. Someone get uh, a health check on Matt Allen talk for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, the, the Justin Jackson at center lineup that featured, I believe it was Cowan, Wiley, Herter, Nickens, Jackson. Um, that was kind of short-lived, but like they've run a, a few Cowan, Wiley, Herder, um, and then you could you can throw even more Cell in there, and then all those guys except Cowan are going to have some size too. Um, there, so 
it adds another really good element to those several guard lineups. And yeah, and, and Wiley's been a knockdown shooter, um, so that's something that you can never really have enough of. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably most more than anything what what I think it'll add. And what was interesting because when you're listening to that radio show after the game with Johnny, Chris, and Walt, and Mark Turgid said, I want to use my bigs, but I can't because everyone else is playing so well. And Mark Turgid's been at Maryland since 2011. I've been watching Maryland basketball since I came to school, and that was five years ago. I swear Mark Turgid's never said that before. And we've accused him at times, maybe sometimes rightly so, of being a bit of an ideologue and playing the traditional way with bigs on the floor at all times. And Lamar, this is a big change. It's one that many of us wanted to see, and now that we see it, it opens up possibilities for this team that many of us just didn't think could actually happen, but it was feasible talking fodder for podcasts like us. But now that they're actually happening, it's like, well, look at the result. They comprehensively beat Butler. I know they were picked to be eighth in the Big East, but that's still not exactly scrubs. They comprehensively beat them up and down. And that's an impressive accomplishment, and it gives you confidence when Maryland is going to go up against better teams later in the year, and they will, that they can hang with them more than, I guess, many of us thought they could. Uh, yeah, it definitely gives you confidence, and Turton is still experimenting with the lineup, so it'll be interesting to see like which of these he decides to deploy come like Big Ten season. Um, but he's had a lot of success with a lot of different combinations, so... Um, it does give you confidence in this team, and especially in like the depth of this team. We haven't seen Tameh a lot because he hasn't been needed. We didn't see Sean Obi at all against Butler, and like when, especially considering how like Coach Turner that's how his physicality and like his the rebounding presence he brings for the for Maryland not to even need his presence on the boards and to still really out rebound Butler comprehensively, like. That just shows where this team is now compared to where they were a year ago, one, and just, like, the type of depth we may be dealing with. Maryland having depth at the backcourt is amazing enough. But just depth in general, that's been the problem for this team for years, is they haven't had good enough depth when the starters can't go anywhere because they just don't have the legs. And uh, one of those starters, Thomas, is Anthony Cowan, and he's taken the leap, double-double against Butler, and... No, there's a lot to get to with Anthony Cowan, but what, what, what stood out to you most to the fact that he's been their leading scorer the first three games and the leading rebounder twice? I think the rebounding is what stood out. Um, he's He's been, you know, he, he's like six foot on a good day. And um, the fact that he is beating out, you know, other teams' big men and like Maryland's big men for rebounds and then just, pushing it up the floor immediately after that is is something I haven't I haven't seen a guy that size rebound that well since I've been covering Maryland um, and I haven't seen a lot of it anywhere um, you know it's obviously two games but 25 points 10 boards five assists one turnover in like 37 minutes is I, I would call that the leap for sure now the better is can he re- replicated against really good teams and yeah I don't expect this but he's been the best player in the first three games definitively and we kind of wondered well who's going to be the best player for Maryland night in and night out we thought it would be Justin Jackson and he's been good although his shooting's been a bit rough at times but even then if Anthony Cowan's playing like this does it really matter 
who else is because th this is the kind of game from a guard that can win you most games it's the kind of things that Melo Trimble maybe not with the rebounding but he did so often and then Maryland who couldn't shoot at the free throw line the first couple of games Cowan goes 12 of 15 and he's driving and the other thing that was amazing he had 25 points on eight shots it's insane what he did against Butler and I don't know if you could get 80% of it most nights but if you can suddenly the outlook for this team changes yeah I mean it's with that and you know you still have you know Jackson had probably he was probably the best player in the first game and then there's still Herder who is always just kind of hanging around and can have a big game at any time because of how good a shooter he is um plus all the freshmen plus Wiley and um even Tchaikovsky on lobs and stuff um so I don't think you need like Cowan to be the guy every night but if he's got suddenly that type of player who can be, then it makes life easier for a lot of other people. Makes Maryland suddenly look like not just the, maybe the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten, but higher than that. And uh, Lamar, we haven't even talked really about the freshmen yet. The reason yeah. why Mar the, the unfair freshman that Maryland has, which no one thought was going to be, you know, the unfair freshman that Maryland has. And both of them, I got a feeling, are players that Maryland fans are going to adore for a very long time. Uh, Daryl Morcell with all those points off the bench and good defensive work as, as a guard against a pretty good Butler backcourt was impressive. And then Bruno Fernando comes in and instantly changes the game. It's, it's amazing. Mark Turgeon can recruit. And we knew these guys were highly rated recruits, but we didn't think that they'd necessarily bring this much of an impact this soon. Yeah, I've, like, I've gotten to know the two freshmen a little bit over the uh, last couple of months, and the more I see them, the more impressive they get. Um, I didn't envision Daryl Morsell on having this immediate in impact. It really gives Maryland that second guard, and he's truly is a combo guard. Like six four can defend both positions. Big, strong guy. Um, and he's working on his shot. You saw him hit the. He came around the screen in the first half, hit a pull up jumper, which was uh big at the time, and then. In the second half, he hits the dagger to finish off any, like, Hope Butler had of, like, coming back. So just the intensity he brings and, like, his is, like, more not – while it's an in-your-face intensity, it's not as much of, like, a loud intensity. And then you have Bruno Fernando, which is, like, his counterbalance, who is just hype embodiment. Um, he riled up the entire, like, Xfinity Center – and gave us that like amazing gift the other day of him just like flailing his arms. Like it looks kind of funny when you watch the gift, but like the the room was rocking when that happened. And then he's just extremely talented. He's his footwork's amazing in the post and like so much effort. Like these two give Maryland like death for probably a couple years to come. And you it's not and probable to see either one of them in a starting lineup for Maryland at some point this season. I would find it impossible to believe that there aren't at least starting once or twice. I mean, Maryland plays a bunch of bad teams the rest of the way, and I had a conference play. But even in conference play, I could see it. And Thomas, I was trying to think about this before we recorded the show. Every team has a player that might not be the most talented or the most gifted, and Bruno Fernandez is very gifted, but he's a player that everybody who watches that team day in and day out and are fans, just loves for all sorts of reasons. I can't really think of many that are in Maryland examples, 
I could think of others for other teams, and you know what I'm talking about as I say this. But Bruno Fernando is that kind of player. Because of his intensity, because of his passion, and the way he just goes out and can change games, just by his presence on the floor with energy, and then what he can actually do, putting the ball in the basket and getting rebounds. He's a player that Maryland fans are going to love, and I bet we're, gonna, we're not going to probably say many bad words about him. And even when he was reading a promo for the radio, when the Terps radio was coming back, it's like, how do you not love this guy already? Yeah, I mean, you just described the 6'10 Angolan Des Wells. <laughs> you know what? You said that last week, and I said, how about it? I didn't think it was possible, but, I mean, three games is a small sample size, but the 6'10 Angolan Des Wells sounds great to me. Because I think yeah, we're going mean... to love Des Wells for what he did even though he wasn't, you know, the best player. But for Maryland fans, he was, like, the guy that helped sort of transform the program. Bruno Fernando's not going to do that, but he's a guy who can transform games. Yeah, I mean, I I will, you know, fess up and say, you know, I didn't follow Maryland too close until after Wells left because I didn't get here until then. But, um, you know, I, I knew what he meant, and I knew how big of a part he was on the 14-15 team and before then. You've got that and right. so there's... Yeah, there is just an energy that he had that I I remember, you know, being drawn to, you know, even before I went here and even before I like, you know, decided Maryland was my team. Uh, it, it's, and so now that it is, and I see Fernando just come in like guns blazing, that sort of same thing, except he's a six ten, like Angolan dude with a, a flat top. It's it's hilarious and it's wonderful and I love it. He's going to be the kind of guy that's in all of the team videos, the goofy team videos with the walk-ons, but it would be totally genuine, and it would be awesome. And it is the kind of stuff that gets you, like, remembered in Maryland lore forever. You know, so it's there's the kind a, of player. Go on. There, there's a video. Um, th they have the players do these, like, all right, Maryland fans, get on your feet, get on your feet, th those kind of videos. They had Bruno in one of those, and I, I turned to Lamar, and I was like, that took him one take. There's no way that took him more than one take. <laughs> and he was like, he was, he was, he nailed it. You might it as was... well have him do promos for everything at this point. Can he, uh, can you do our new intro for, for the podcast? If you can get it, have it. Right, I'll figure Somebody it out. do it. If you can make that happen, I would totally put it as the intro to this podcast. I'd have no problem with that. See, when I leave the show, which will eventually happen when I am not unemployed, which can't last forever, then Bruno Fernando would enter the show and you wouldn't have to change anything. It would be amazing. Like, I can't think of players that aren't in Maryland. Des Wells is kind of like that. But I know of players, at least for the teams that I've supported for many years, that remind me of that. For the one or two people who are Maryland fans and also Tottenham fans, Sandro's the player that he most reminds me of, and Sandro's Brazilian and... Bruno Fernando's Angolan, but, I mean, it's that kind of player. I don't know if you can think of any players from your teams that are like Bruno Fernando, but, you know, having one of those players just makes life so much more fun when you watch the games. There was a glimpse of uh, Niger Morgan briefly, except uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that team Boy, was that's, also that's bad. Niger Morgan, Niger Morgan turned into um, an interesting – he turned into more of a caricature than anything. Yeah, I guess. I can kind of see that. Well, Bruno Fernando's amazing. Anyway. A 6'10 Niger Morgan. A 6'10 Niger Morgan. That is what Bruno Fernando, I can't believe how we're describing this. Okay. Let's go to the next couple of games that Maryland is going to play. They play Bucknell and Jackson State. Those are the kind of games where you see what Maryland has. You're, you experiment with these lineups. Maryland should win these games pretty handily. And then they go to the Niceville, Florida tournament. 
Uh, the arena is not... I hope the street address for this arena is 69 in it somewhere, but I don't think it does. I'm trying to check, and I can't find the answer to that, but I hope it does. Uh, where they can play St. Bonaventure, then either TCU or New Mexico, and then... Our next show will come after the game against Syracuse in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So that's a lot of games in there. And the best team they're going to play in that is probably TCU, who's a tournament team. We've talked about that before. So, Thomas, they've already had three pretty good games that looked quite different from one another. But what do you want to see in these next five or so games? By the time we podcast next, what do you want to be saying about this team? Um, mostly I want to see who else gets, I guess, involved. Um, we've seen, you know, Dion Wiley was kind of a surprise, uh, once Jared Nickens had a random 15 point game. Um, Cowens led the team in scoring three times. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see just scoring wise, if, if Herter gets in, uh, if Jackson has a big scoring day. Um, another thing is how the rotation shapes up because they kind of played just seven guys really against... Um, Butler, Nickens, and even Bender played four minutes each, and Sean Obi and Josh Tamayich didn't play. Um, I'm, I'm curious just what the sort of distribution looks like uh, for these other games, because there's going to be enough variety um, that I think you'll see some games where everyone plays, but those slightly bigger games, I'm kind of just curious. Uh, I would think the next three, they'll play how they do pretty it. much a deep lineup, because, you know, Bucknell and Jackson State aren't very good at basketball. Even against, um, say, Bonaventure, who is a good team, I could see Maryland. Oh, don't say going that about Bucknell. Deeper. Bucknell, Bucknell is better than anyone's going to give him credit for. Yeah. Okay, but they're still, you know, out of conference. Yeah, that's Patriot the thing. League. It's like they just gave North Carolina a run for their money for most of that game. Like, Bucknell is not a passover opponent. They should prepare like. They're going to prepare diligently for Bucknell. Oh, they're, they obviously are. I'm not saying that they aren't. They do that for every game. But, I mean, in fans' minds, i.e. me, uh, we're kind of overlooking be. it. I'm saying don't. Oh, yeah, that's okay. entirely what I'm saying. All right, fine. You guys win. Absolutely overlook Jackson State. They're terrible. Okay, I'll overlook them. But, as I'm saying, like, I, I'm saying I think we could see a bit of a deeper rotation in these next three games. And then, let's say they play TCU and then they go to the Carrier Dome. That might be when the rotation gets shrunk a bit. Because those games are against teams. I mean, Syracuse is Syracuse, and they go on pedigree. But TCU is a probable tournament team. So at that point, that's where I think we could see a little bit of something like that. Don't you guys think that that's also, kind of the game where? Also, one other thing is that Maryland kind of struggled against zones at times last year. And uh, <laughs> Turgeon said, I have a hunch that Syracuse might play a little 2-3 zone on us. <laughs> so, uh, Very good, Turge. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how this team attacks his own. Um, Cowan, I think, I think it was Turgeon who said like he was a one-man zone offense against Butler. And uh, well, I mean, I'm, what he, what he I'm intrigued like to see if he, yeah, if he can do that against the Jim Beheim team, then that'll be, you know, another feather in his cap. Yeah, it would absolutely be. Is Lamar? Is there anything you want to see in these next five or so games? Um. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, Justin Jackson's got to get going. Like, he's been amazing on the boards. He's done all the like other things except for score. He's got to start getting more aggressive, and he's got to start getting like some points. He's he hasn't hit a three so far, so I also want to uh, see him start finding his range. He's over seven so far. It hasn't been an issue in these first three games, 
Xbox Com Syracuse, TCU, and some of those bigger games, maybe in, uh, possibly even Bucknell, we're going to need them uh, to start cashing out. Do you know what's going to be weird? By the time we record this podcast next, which will be after Thanksgiving, and all these five games are done, we'll be next talking about Maryland conference games because Jim Delaney is crazy. That's just so weird. We'll be early I'm December. I'm excited. To be I mean, Purdue will be fun. I that that's going to be. It's just going to be so weird talking about conference games for basketball in December. Just doesn't make sense that we're doing that. I'll never get. I'm not going to get over it for a while, but not like it truly matters that much. But um, it's definitely fun with men's basketball, women's basketball a little bit less so. Thomas, uh, they played South Carolina on Monday. This is actually the only Maryland basketball game I've watched from start to finish this year because the schedule didn't run up and it was not on a streaming service that cost me money. Uh, they got pushed around a lot early, but most impressively was how they came back in the end and made that game single digits and competitive. That was incredibly impressive for Brenda Fees. Maybe uh, South Carolina took their foot off the gas a little bit, but they found a way to make a game that was decidedly uncompetitive competitive. And for a team that has uh, some personnel deficiencies this year, I think we can say, after everything that transitioned from last year to this, that was an impressive performance, even though they didn't play particularly well for about 30 minutes against the defending national champions. But then again, are many teams going to play that well against the defending national champions? Uh, I don't know because um, South Carolina is, it, it was always a tough matchup for Maryland because they have uh, this sort of basketball cyborg named Asia Wilson. Yeah. Who is six, five and can also like shoot anything inside 18 feet. Um, and Maryland is both undersized and thin this year. They played eight players, and three of them fouled out, um, and a couple others had four. So if, if that game went any longer, I'm very curious what would have happened. They have a ninth, who I don't know if was healthy or not, uh, who's 6'3", so you would think. Um, it, it was, you know, and I wrote about this, Maryland is both, you, you could see what their weaknesses were. I mean, they're thin, they're undersized. They just don't have the firepower, really, except they they fought, you know, as, as well as I've seen any Brenda, Fre- you know, I, I covered the team the last two years. That's the best, like, comeback I've ever seen from a Brenda Freeze team. I mean, they haven't needed to have a ton of comebacks, but still, I mean, that was, um, and that's all mostly Kyla Charles, who um, entered halftime with four points and finished with 31 <laughs> total insanity yeah no she is she is going to be very impressive um this year and beyond um and it, it's been yeah they're gonna need her to be like that more often um if they're gonna you know challenge enough of the blue bloods i guess uh which is which is odd because uh, well, actually, they play UConn on Sunday. They do. That's yeah. not going to go well, but... Uh... Uh, it won't. The, the last year's UConn team was the beatable UConn team, except it took until April for someone to do it. Yeah. Uh, this year's, this year's really UConn well, team is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, at home... Um, yeah. This year's UConn team is not nearly as beatable. Yeah, well, that happens. It's the entire court. It's the entire team from last year plus like the number one recruiting class. Well, and then there's also the we lost motivation, and when UConn loses, that's not good. 
because then they're going to be motivated to win again. Uh, that game's Sunday at 1.30. I don't remember the rest of their schedule, but Brenda Freeze always schedules a really brutal schedule because why wouldn't she? Uh, but what do you want to see from that team going forward against UConn, obviously, and then beyond that? Um, um, the one sort of common denominator in Maryland's first three games has been they've started slow. And if you start slow against UConn, you're down 20 to 2. Um, and they, they need to kind of not fall behind 20 to two is really the, the number one thing. I mean, you know, a freshman point guard is, you never really know how that's going to go in a game like that on the road. Um, just some other stuff. The team's still coming together. They, they're still not a full group, uh, because Eliana Kristanaki doesn't come back until December. So it's tough to draw conclusions from anything you see here. I just know that they're going to fight and they're going to give every team everything they have, which is, a, you know, a good thing to at least just know. Yeah, that, that's definitely positive. And this is a team that is transitioning, of course. And the fact that they came back against that South Carolina team when they were just getting totally beaten up was very impressive. And that's something that Brenda Freeze could basically put in front of them and say, if you do that, we're going to beat almost everybody we play this year. And we'll hang with everybody we play this year if you play and fight like that. So that's what you hope you see on Sunday against UConn. Probably not because UConn is the Death Star. But we will find out. Let's talk about some other sports before we get to the depressing one uh, called Throwball. Uh, we'll first start, I guess, field hockey beat Duke. And they're playing Michigan a little bit later today. That's interesting. But beating Duke in any sport is good, obviously, because Maryland can't schedule Duke in anything now. But uh, that was fantastic. Final Four is good. Right, Thomas? Yeah. Um, and it, it's fun because it allows you to sort of draw this comparison of Maryland at the beginning of the year versus now. Uh, they lost to Duke 2 nothing early in the year in a game that very easily could have been like 25 nothing. Um, <laughs> Duke had like all the shots in the world to Maryland took until late in the second half to even get a shot off um, in that game. And I wonder what their advanced stats would have looked like. Uh, they wouldn't have been good. Um, <laughs> anyway. And then you, and then a couple months later to turn that around and beat Duke on its home field. I mean, that's this was, you know, this is a young Maryland team. Um, it wasn't. It took a long time to become a finished product, but that finished product has now won nine of ten games. Um, a lot of those against really good competition, and now they're in the final four. So, um, how can we watch yeah, that really, game? Really, really hats off to them. Because that is on NCAA.com. Ah, okay. We will we'll be tweeting out the links and stuff. Cool. The opposite of with of field hockey is soccer and. I mean, I've seen teams collapse in soccer before, and I, you don't want to talk badly about teams like this, but what happened to Maryland soccer this year is a collapse. The bottom fell out, and last night they lost to Albany on penalties. I don't really care that you lose on penalties because penalties are a lottery, and if you ever watch soccer, you've heard that in every single broadcast of every game that's ever gone to penalties. And with college kids, it's obviously going to be worse. But with the way they played to start the season and the way they played to end it, uh, it just doesn't make you feel really good, especially after the way last year ended when they were unbeaten through the regular season and then gave up five goals at home to Providence. 
I yeah, it, it turned it went from a team that was undefeated and number three to a team that all right, it got Made a loss the tournament and it because lost of again. Their name. And then well, I mean, the resume was still good. They still were a ten win team. Uh it was just they just didn't get anything going. They scored three goals in the last six games. And and that that's returning the entirety of an offense that was one of the best in the country last year. I I don't know what to make of any of that. It's it's just weird. Soccer's an odd sport like that, and uh, you 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 yeah. know it. And now you kind of just you, you have to just at this point just build up for for next year already, which it's going to be a long off season with that losing streak still just kind of hanging over everybody. It's good. It is weird. It was the first time they since they joined the Big Ten they didn't win the conference. That's the other thing, though, is, too. They, they won the conference tournament, I believe, the first three years. And this one, they were out immediately. It's just strange because of how dominant this program has been for so many years. And it just feels weird when we're saying about that, especially for a Sasho coach team. Uh, it's unfortunate, but college soccer is really weird. And soccer is really weird when you get into these knockout tournaments and they go to penalties. You can take nothing from penalties, especially with college kids. And it's not like the penalty shootout was the best penalty shootout I've ever seen. I've seen worse at the pro level than last night. But it still does not make you feel very good with the way that team, with how dominant it is, and how they went out. And now, unfortunately, we need to talk about football. And Lamar's been quiet for a while, so we'll get him to talk about this. And, you know, we didn't really want to talk about it because losing to Rutgers is bad enough. And then you're at your fifth-string walk-on quarterback. And this is the second time since I started following Maryland that they're on a fifth-string walk-on quarterback already. It's ridiculous. And I think for me, not what has happened in these games and whatever happens in the last two games, it almost doesn't matter because they've got no chance in them with the way that things have gone. But, Lamar, I think what's most frustrated me is not what's happened on the field but is the reaction to it. And a lot of people are turning on DJ Durkin, at least from what I've seen, and that's at very limited interactions because as soon as I see that, it makes me get irrationally mad. Uh, why do you think that's happening? And can you chalk anything of what's happened down the stretch in the season to anything other than the worst of luck that only Maryland football can have? Um, so I'm going to address the last part first. Like, this is part dumb luck but at the same time any a lot of the adjustments that there's also been a lot of problems on the defensive side of the ball that you can't fully attribute to oh we're down to our last quarterback uh the defense has been ripped a lot of the time this season even in the some uh some of the games they win uh it's been dreadful to watch uh they've been exploited over the scene constantly and whatever adjustments they make play to play haven't seemed to be working. Now back to the first part, it's not time to give up shop on DJ Durkin. This is still a young team. We had one of the toughest schedules in the entire uh, NCAA this year. Um, so some of this was to, ex to be expected anyway and compo compound that with our quarterback issues. It's going to be somewhat of a wash of a season. However, like the response the the response from the coaches hasn't they haven't made enough enough adjustments that's all like like a lot of it does come down to execution on game day but you the the buck stops with the, in the coaches room there something has to be done to make adjustments so we're not in a position where our fifth string walk on quarterback has to uh, 
throw for a touchdown and tie the game against Rutgers or as in down 28 nothing by the like time we go to halftime and is just playing for for experience in the second half uh Walt Bell said it earlier this week there are no moral victories and I don't really think there's a whole lot to take from the last two weeks other than Maryland's been bad I will totally agree on the defense the defense being bad is surprising some of that could be personnel some of that could be scheme some of that could be no pass rush there's a lot of issues with the defense but the offense I I can't say anything about the offense other than you're down to a fifth string quarterback and what what other team has ever had that happen once, let alone twice in five years. See, that's why I'm saying, like, the off- I, the defense is bad being, is one thing. That I can understand. Some of that I attribute to personnel, and maybe some of that's recruiting. Maybe some of that's just holdovers from past regimes that haven't turned out the way that you would have hoped. But a lot of it is just something that, in the end, I- I'm just chalking off to another mulligan because you can't possibly succeed with the bad luck. And the other thing that I've seen with defenses, and this comes from experiences with the other level of football, Thomas, if you put too much pressure on your defense because your offense can't do anything, eventually it cracks. And Maryland's defense, it's not great anyway. And if you're putting too much pressure on it because they know, all right, we've got to do everything to keep ourselves in the game because there's a walk-on quarterback on the other side who has no experience, that's an immense amount of pressure. And no defense, no matter how good it is, even Alabama is going to be able to survive something like that for very long. I think the big thing with Maryland's defense is that it lost Jesse Ann Bone in week one and hasn't had hasn't been able to replace anywhere any of what he brings. Um, he's He was always their best pass rusher by a mile. And they couldn't manufacture anything without him. And I think um, we can say they've tried something to work I mean, at they've, that. They've tried things. I think it's, you know, they don't have any guys that are playmakers in the same sense on the line. Um, and a lot of guys who had good years last year um, had him in part because he was drawing attention. Um, it, it's it's interesting because the line is still a little undersized and. When, when you run a 4-2-5, you kind of need your line to not be undersized. Um, and I think that won't be the case for much longer. Um, one thing that is worth noting is that most of Maryland's like best defensive recruits, at least, um, haven't seen the field at all this year. Um, some, of the, some of that's for injury rehab reasons. Some of that is there's still kind of a logjam at some positions like Defensive line, there's a lot of upperclassmen this year. Um, that won't be quite as much the case next year and beyond. So, um, yeah, I mean, the defense has had its good games. Run defense specifically, you know, they've allowed fewer than 100 rushing yards in every win and then more than 150 in every loss. I mean, the so. Rutgers game was the one that I watched none of the Michigan game, for good reason, because that went bad fast. But the Rutgers game, I mean, we, we didn't talk about it, but Rutgers can't throw the ball, and Maryland still couldn't stop anything Rutgers was doing on the ground. And that was the most infuriating thing to me, was how bad the yep. rush defense was in that game. And they've been bad in losses, as you said it, bad in losses and good in wins. And these next couple of games, uh, well, good luck against Penn State if you have a bad rush defense. Even Rutgers held Saquon Barkley like 50 yards, and they still lost by 29. 
So I, I don't know how much of a chance Maryland has against Michigan State. Jeez, they, they can run the ball well, and they just got pantsed by Ohio State, and they're at home, and it's senior day. It's a bad combination that's going on for this team right now, and if you don't want to watch it, that's completely understandable, and yet somehow Fox executives still think people want to watch Maryland, so they put them on network TV for a third time. They are nuts over there, I must say. Why do you put Maryland on network television twice? They also put Rutgers on network television. Who in their right mind thinks that's a good idea? And I went to a Rutgers game that they won. They, they put TCU on network television during Game 7 of the American League. Well, they did that because they, put, they had They put game TCU Kansas. On, they had they Game put 7 TCU of Kansas. the ALCS on the other side, and they didn't want to siphon audience numbers from that. That one I understood. But left to their own devices, they put Maryland on network television three times, and they put Rutgers on network television once. Those three games were against big teams. But Rutgers has been on BTN every week since the first week of the season. And the first week of the season, they were playing Washington. It's just insane. Fox, everybody. Uh, but in terms of these games, I mean, I don't even... You're, we're watching it closely because we're contractually obligated to, pretty much. But beyond that, Thomas, is there anything that you want to see from these last two games other than don't get totally embarrassed again? How many punts does DJ Moore uh, fire off? Oh, that's a good one. That's that's what I'm looking for. I how many passes that. do they? How many passes do they throw to Ryan Brand? Because here's, I mean, in, in complete and total honesty, I mean, they next year with with Jacobs and Vay leaving and more probably going to the NFL. I don't know what they're going to do at wideout. So suddenly Ryan Brand's like a slot option. I don't know. These are these are the weird things you think about. Except if they somehow like. It, it it shouldn't happen, but like if they somehow win this game, then that that whole five win bowl thing is like a possibility still. Rutgers so like, can have, have five stuff win to bowl play thing for too. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a. No, I don't think Rutgers APR is as good as. Probably um, not, but hey, please no happen. bowl. Hmm? Please no bowl. I just we just like let this season be over and like pretend it, it, it didn't. Well, that's happen. the thing is there will be a month, so there will be a few weeks where we just get to not do much. And then the week of that game, we're just like, oh, yeah, football. Yeah. No, I just, we should just that's, end the season. That's now. how we did it last I'm year. I'm on Lamar's side. Do we have to play these last two games, bro? Like, come on, son. I'm, I'm, I'm here Lamar's for extra practice here. time. To be, to be honest, I'm, it's extra practice time. It's a few, I don't know, it's, it's some good things. But, but, uh, yeah, yeah, football's, yeah. I want to get your opinion on, on this, too, because I, I don't think I can blame DJ Durkin for most of any of this. Defensively, yeah, a little bit, because he is a defensive coach, but you can't control injuries to the key position in football and happening all of them at once. You can't have that, you know, on his shoulders. And next year, I mean, best case scenario is DJ Moore returns and you actually have quarterbacks and suddenly this team looks really promising. You know, worst case scenario is he doesn't return, and even then, you have your quarterbacks returning, and their schedule is light years easier next year than it was this year. So, again, I'm not giving up. If they're four and six this time next year, then you can get mad. That's fine, but I'm not getting mad at them for one year being a total mulligan because it's his first year and he's transitioning the personnel, and the second year having all sorts of quarterback injuries. I can't get mad at him for that. There are things that I'm not pleased with, but, you know, this is still Maryland football. This isn't exactly, you know, the bottom following out at Florida. You know, it's still different levels of expectations depending on where you are. 
And I can't get that mad. Yeah, I think we, we, we do need to talk more about this hilarious schedule now because when you looked at the schedule preseason, you're like, okay, that'll be tough. Yeah, that didn't factor in UCF becoming a behemoth and Michigan State just, like, bouncing back to a really good team like nothing happened the year they went 3-9. and nine. Um, Wholesale. Maryland's, lo- Maryland's losses currently are to five teams ranked in the playoff rankings and also Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers so. is bad. Rutgers is bad, don't get me wrong. But this isn't exactly like trash heap Rutgers the past couple years. Correct. I, I feel, and, I feel I mean, like we should we, say that. We mentioned that at the time. But, like, also, it, it's, it's five losses to ranked teams and also Rutgers. I mean, it's, it's, that's the only Maryland could pull that off. Which, which even better, is uh, Maryland standing in. So Texas is like the most underrated 5-5 five and five team I've ever seen. Because Texas gave Oklahoma a run, gave Oklahoma State a run, gave USC a run. Those are their three of their losses, and their other one is at TCU. And then the fifth one is at home against Maryland. When Maryland was healthy. Yes, and, and like... That's still their second biggest margin of defeat this year. And that was is 10, that 10 with the garbage point. time touchdown. Yeah. I mean, so. it's weird. We'll always have that win over Texas. Like, that's why I'm thinking, you know, why are we hating on DJ Durkin when Maryland went into Texas and won? Most of what I've seen is people just hating on the coordinators for not being able to adjust to things. But I think, I feel like they're oversimplifying how hard it is to, like, change a scheme when you lose some of the most important people to your like, act, like you know, I can't imagine that Walt Bell can do much more than he's done. He's tried. There's only so much you can do when you're down to your fifth string quarterback, who is a walk on. Yeah, that's all you can do. And defensively, some of it comes down to personnel. I mean, you got to use your personnel in good ways, but a lot of it comes down to just basic personnel issues. And that is what Maryland has. Now, as I said, if this is happening next year, then you have the right to get angry. But right now, I don't see why you would. First of all, Maryland basketball is doing well, so spend your oxygen on that. And B, I mean, again, what school has a fit? I was talking to some people who are Florida fans, and they were complaining about Florida's quarterback situation, and they don't know about Maryland's. And I told them that, and they said, after I told them about what happened with Sean Petty and then this year, they're like, Okay, you're right. And this is Florida, who has no quarterbacks. So come on, guys. Off the ledge. It's going to be okay. So, I mean, I probably I might watch a little bit of the game uh, when they play football, but probably not all that much. Don't really want to do that. But uh, the basketball, <coughs> that, that will be fun. Yeah. Because of the Bucknell game, I don't even have to pretend to care about this. I, I know, like you could leave to go to Xfinity Center while the game is still going on, and you could pretend it's not even happening. And see, the other you, thing is, like, I don't know when the game on the twenty fifth against potentially TCU is going to be played, but that could be while the game against Penn State is going on, and you just don't have to pay attention. It's great. Like, because if if Maryland's playing TCU in basketball, and then. Penn State and football, I'm watching the basketball game over the football game. And I normally wouldn't say that. But with Maryland, I am. Yeah. Find it hard to believe. But uh, that that's about everything we could get to. Did I miss anything, Thomas? Or uh, did I think well, we... Uh, I don't know. Lacrosse has a schedule out. It's it's cool. 
Yeah, national national champions. Yes, defending national champions. White House visitors. Men's men's and women's lacrosse went to the White House apparently today. I Um, think we should stop the podcast after that. Oh. Yeah. uh, Yeah, okay. I think we should stop the podcast after that. But enjoy the basketball. There are going to be five games now, at least for the guys, between now and when we record again. And when we record again, as I said before, we're talking – Conference games. What the hell? I don't know how many women's games are in the middle between now and we record again. Thomas, how many women's games are there? You know. I I have I don't know how many are between UConn and whenever we play again. Uh, well, when we record again, we'll probably be after Maryland Syracuse would be my guess. But uh, and uh, hopefully Maryland has a national championship in field hockey by the time we do the next show because that would be great. By that the time would be we do. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, three national championships in the calendar year 2017 sounds great to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we return, we'll have a postmortem on football. It'll probably sound a lot like what we just said, and we'll have a lot of basketball. But remember, if you're feeling sad about football, remember, Bruno Fernando plays for Maryland, and that should instantly make you feel better. Thank you very much for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and go Terps.